Good evening, Emma. Welcome to podcast number 13. Lucky number 13. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> Sadly, 12 isn't edited in the can yet. We've recorded it, but I haven't quite found the time this week. But we'll we'll record this one and hopefully, maybe even tonight, I'll pull a late one and, and get the last one published oh dear sacrificing sleep for a podcast that's uh that's dedication well it is my rest day <laughs> meant to rest completely mind and body <laughs> not, not just body <laughs> so how's your week been we're, we're what you're one week away from your next race race week yeah week just gone it's been a good one actually training nothing particularly high nothing particularly low but everything's been going in the right direction which is good (laughs) I rode my time trial bike for the first time at the weekend post holiday which was on a road bike Mm. so my first outside ride basically oh it was so nice to be back on my bike (laughs) just so much more comfortable did you find Um, you're having to bend over more and say your hamstrings or behind your knees was a bit tight no or are you flexible no. enough not to notice no no nothing like that thank goodness as a slight I was quite wary of it the only slight issues I had was when I first got it on it and like went to hold the handlebars and brakes things I was like whoa that was really low um <laughs> it's like fall off the front of the bike but within a few minutes I got over that which was good because despite the sun being out it was really cold and really windy. <laughs> there was one stretch I was doing, I don't know, averaging like 45 kilometres an hour. And then in the other direction, it was about 30. <laughs> <laughs> a mental challenge, but at least the sun was out. A low and a high, I guess, was I had a swim, which actually you joined me in the pool for, and my hat decided to come off halfway through. <laughs> halfway through the set which was a continuous, basically a continuous swim. So I wasn't really meant to stop. And I could feel it slipping. And then it got to the point where it was just off and just being dragged. I was basically had a parachute off the back of my head because it's still attached to my goggles. So I had to quickly stop, put it back on. So it's good race practice, I guess, if you've got goggles or something. <laughs> yeah, things can go wrong in races like that. I mean, I, I got out of the pool before you, and when I got out and saw you, I did see your hat. It was up over your ears and was starting to go pointy. And I thought, any minute it's going to go ping. And you looked like you were in the middle of a long interval. And I did wonder, what would you do? <laughs> would you just drag it behind you like a parachute? Or would you stop? <laughs> I was hoping it would just, once it came off, it would just come off. But it was caught by my goggles. It yeah. didn't. I was happy to go and collect it and do the, a swim of shame and go pick it off at the bottom of the pool but that didn't happen so <laughs> I don't know if you find this but I don't have a road bike I only have my time trial bike and I actually felt so much better cycling when I got back on my time trial bike so I don't know whether it was a change of scenery cycling abroad I did do a big block of training abroad I did about 12 hours of cycling in four days so I did a lot of cycling I don't know whether it was the hills, but when I got back on my bike on Saturday, I just felt really good. I felt stronger. So I don't know whether it was using different muscles from the road bike or just an added stimulus. But I don't know if there's anything there because I'm not ridden a road bike for a long, long, long time. You mean you felt good with the fit or good fit? Strong. (laughs) Strong. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's probably the, the hills you did. 
the good weather lots of cycling it yes. could be that you if it was the fit of the bike you've had your tt bike fitted you you've had or at least people to fit you on tt bikes where maybe the road bike wasn't quite as adjusted to to you as it would be by a professional tt bike just felt more like coming home yeah possibly or it could be none of that because i was cycling on my own so i could have been going slower <laughs> but i just felt quicker and then i also got some new shoes new running shoes which i don't record the number of miles i do hmm. the way i get my trigger for getting new shoes is when i start to get niggles and then i think okay when was the last time I got new shoes. Can my bank account afford new shoes this month? No, let's stretch it out another month. And I got some new training shoes and oh, it makes so, so much difference <laughs> running in bouncy shoes. So yeah, running felt good as well, which is quite nice. Are they shoes for racing as well or just for, for training? To be confirmed, I'm not intending to race them. I'm not particularly up to speed with carbon, but I've got semi-carbon racing shoes i don't think they're fully plated i think they're half plated and i do need to count the number of miles on those because mm. they don't last very long and obviously that's quite easy because i know which races i've done in them so if when i add that up it comes to over the amount of miles you meant to doing it and i'm not going to be able to order a new pair for the weekend because i forgot <laughs> so i will be racing in my new other trainers which is fine because they're comfortable if I was organised, I'd use Strava because you can program it with shoes and bikes and whatnot, and it counts the miles for you. You just select which pair of shoes you had for each run. But I just haven't found the will or the time to actually do it. I keep thinking it'd be a good idea, but I never do. I do that for my bikes, or I did that for my bikes. But when I went to do it the other day, it doesn't look like you can change the setting on your phone. I think you have to add it some other way. It's nothing obvious on the app. Mm, go to the website. It. Yes, which is a pain. But yes, I do need to do that. It would be much easier to do it for shoes. But again, as you say, it's just another admin. You've got yeah. to remember to do it when you buy new shoes. I'll probably never get around to doing that. Like you, I replace my shoes when they feel like they're falling apart, which is <laughs> yeah. probably beyond their life. First pair of semi-carbony shoes I bought, I just use them for track now. I'm pretty sure something inside them has come apart that isn't supposed to. <laughs> but I'm still going to use them. <laughs> I can still run on them. I don't know what difference it, it really makes, but you can hear something loose when you run. <laughs> it's probably not supposed to happen. Yeah, I would not wear them. <laughs> probably the, not only things to say for that one. <laughs> Talking of track, I have a high. Really enjoyed this week. So I haven't been to track for a while. My daughter, Lara, who does gymnastics quite seriously, they've just moved all the squads around and the days have changed. And now... It's on a Friday and my track is on a Friday. So she has to be dropped off in Harlow, which is a town, what, 25, 30 minutes away. She's right on the other side of Harlow. It's a three hour gym session. So quite a long session. So to take her and wait there, I've either got to go for a ride or go swimming or something. But Friday is my track night. So we've agreed that my wife will drop her off and come back and then I will go and pick her up. But it's only half an hour till I've got to be at track and there's not enough time to come home and go back. So the poor thing, I take her dinner in a, it's a hot dinner on a Friday night and I take it in a little lunch bag thing and pick her up. She changes in the car as we drive over to track. She has a choice, either to sit on her own in the car, sit in the building at the sports centre where there are tables and chairs or come on track side and watch us and help out. And she chose 
trackside, which is great. So she sat there. I think I sent you a photo of this. She was sat there at the side of track. It was quite chilly on Friday night, but the sun was setting. It was a lovely sun sunset, eating her curry or whatever it was, the knife and fork all wrapped up in jumpers because she had shorts on. She always wears shorts. And so we're running around. And then she said, right, I'm going to join in now. She only had flip-flops, so she had to run in her socks, do a lap with us when we were doing the warm-up. But then the coach asked her if she wanted to help do some timing, which she said yes. So she was timing me because I was doing a different set to everybody else. I was doing 400s and 800s, and I had to have a different length rest after each one. So she was doing my rests, and she count me down to start each run. And she was enjoying herself and counting quite loudly and enjoying the attention from all of the other runners. So she's counting down 10, 9, 8. And when she got to 3, 2, 1, she wouldn't say go. She'd say something random like tomatoes. <laughs> so I'd start, <laughs> start my set laughing and you know, stumbling over myself because she was <laughs> doing something completely unexpected. And all the, you know, everyone else was laughing as well. So that was it was really good fun. She enjoyed it so much. She said, you know, are we going to, can I come every week? <laughs> that was really good. Oh, that, was, that was a big high. Oh, well, they say you run better when you relax. So I, hope <laughs> <laughs> I did nearly fall over. I was that relaxed. <laughs> and why were you doing a different set to everyone? Was that self-inflicted or was that the coach singling you out? How do we say it? Sing yeah, he's... He singled me out, and there were a few new people and a few people who came that hadn't done it for hadn't done it for a few weeks. Good people who just getting back into the swing after the summer holidays, and so that he wanted to build them up more slowly. Tends to go from very short sprints to hundreds to two hundreds to three hundred to four, etc. But I didn't want to do really short sprints. I wanted to do something longer. I asked for eight hundreds, but he, we compromised with mixed four and eights, which was pretty horrible, I have to say. Yeah, on a Friday night as well. I mean, geez. <laughs> it does make you forget the week. Whatever stresses you've had at work or all of that just goes out the window because all you can do is hang on for dear life. It resets your brain. I do quite enjoy the Friday night thing. And then you can go home quite smug and drink a beer or have a glass of wine with your dinner. I really enjoy eating after I've had a hard session. Yes, no, that is very true. Oh, well done. And well done <laughs> to the tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unexpected. A little funny little thing. Well, let's hope that she enjoys doing it because that track can be really cold. The wind really picks up there. It so, does. Uh, We're going to have to dress her up and maybe give her my dry robe or something when it gets colder. Yeah, you can borrow mine. She can have a little tent. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else from the week? Any, any lows? I do have a... I don't know if it's a low... It's kind of a medium, maybe low than a high. I went for a run on Saturday morning whilst the kids were doing their junior tri club training. And it was a nice, sunny, relatively chilly morning. And I ran out cross country along some fields. And there seemed to be a lot of dog walkers out with lots of dogs off the leads and running around. And they had to call them back quite severely. You're never really sure whether big dogs out in the countryside are going to chase you or jump on you. Anyway, I'd got through quite a few. It was all fine. And then I saw two large dogs off the lead in the distance uh, down a long farm track and a man a long way off, who was obviously the owner. And they saw me and started absolutely pegging it towards me. I thought, oh dear. Now, they didn't look 
they, they were quite large, but they didn't look too dangerous. One of them looked quite, quite a young but large dog. And the dogs got to me and immediately jumped up. So put its paws up on my shoulders, practically. It was that big. Oh, my goodness. So I stopped and was trying to get it down and it kept jumping up. It was just being friendly, but it was kind of in my space a little bit. And the man shouted at me. He said, give it a hit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to hit some random dog. Who knows what's going to happen? So when he approached, he was was apologetic and said, I'm sorry, they're just they're just over friendly. I'm like kind of grunted and ran off. Hardly looked at him. And I was feeling just a bit put out. And it, the problem was I was about to reach, I was running to time. I was going to turn around and double back on myself in about a oh. minute. So I thought, oh, <laughs> goodness, I'm going to have to go back past him and all the other dogs I've just run past. But I'm, I decided I'm going to do it because I'm not going to dictate my training run just because somebody's got dogs on them. You know, they need to somehow control them. Anyway, I ran back. And at this point, that owner had met the other dog walkers and there were about seven dogs all going absolutely crazy with each other. So I thought I'd just sneak past and the dogs weren't interested in, in people. And then I heard behind me dogs getting a bit angry or boisterous and the owners having to get involved and <laughs> tear them apart. I don't know what. I just thought, oh, goodness, it is quite. It can be quite stressful. Anyway, thought no more of it. And when I got home and my run had uploaded to Strava, I noticed you've got a new message, a comment on that run I just uploaded sorry about the dogs and I I looked and thought there's somebody who I didn't recognize the name had found my Strava run it must have been the man with the dogs and he's apologized that is a bit strange maybe he was using Strava for his walks and he saw that I'd been there and then I realized he follows me (laughs) I thought I don't even recognize this man how random is that and then I realized in Nice one of the guys in the club had traveled to Nice with a friend and it was his friend. He asked to follow me after that, but he's not, he doesn't do sport. He doesn't really use Strava. I I realized it was him because I saw a comment that was linked to this friend that I know, uh, this (laughs) triathlete. I thought that was completely bizarre. I was, and so I replied to him saying, no, it's it's fine, but you know, don't worry about it. (laughs) You could have reported the dogs to the police. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. But how, that I felt completely creeped out at first that this this guy yeah that is strange was commenting on my Strava I didn't even know who he was (laughs) anyway kind of touched on this already so we probably won't go into detail now but yes it is scary and since then I now know what the law on dangerous dogs is (laughs) because uh Kat Matthews one of the the UK pro triathletes she had a similar issue where she had a very aggressive dog run up to her and the law says under the law, a dog can be considered dangerous in any place if it is not kept under control. A dog does not have to bite anyone. It can just be showing aggressive behaviour that would make someone fear for their safety. Any dog can come, become dangerous in the wrong hands and some dogs can become aggressive and bite other people, animals. So I guess whether the dog had its arms around your shoulders licking your face, <laughs> would that be considered dangerous i mean it's quite scary so what if you were fearing for your safety then that's uh quite subjective yeah so in this case i will say i i wasn't at all afraid when the dog came up it, it you can kind of tell when a dog is aggressive or if it's just friendly in this case i wasn't afraid however that i did have an experience just around the corner from my house about a year ago that i, I did fear for my life 
I was doing a turbo brick session. So in, in, in my garden, in fact, we've done the session together. You know, after doing a bit on the turbo, I'd run out of my house and around the streets and I'd run down my road and onto another street full of houses and run along there and they'd be flat out runs. So whatever it was, four minute runs. So as fast as I could run down the middle of the road. And as I was coming back towards my house, I'd done the turnaround. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a front door was open one of the houses and I saw a dog trailing its lead leg it out of the front door after me came out into the middle of the road barking like crazy and legged it obviously the owner lost it on the lead or it was about to go for a walk I kind of looked behind there's this dog running flat out after me who was running flat out I tell you what (laughs) I ran even faster (laughs) I legged it down to the end of the road as I I went to a full-on sprint and there was a girl walking her dog small smallish dog and she actually picked that dog up she was afraid because she could see this manic dog legging it down the street and at some point the dog stopped and turned around and the owners I could hear them yelling at this dog who was running away from them and I stopped when I realized it had gone back and had a chat to the the girl with her dog saying goodness me did you see that (laughs) she was like yeah that wasn't good so anyway, I went on home, finished my session, and afterwards I, I thought, should I have gone and found the owners and said something? Because I really was scared. As I was running, I was waiting to be to have a dog, you know, jump up and take me down. I decided to go and find them. So I went around the corner, saw them, spoke to the there was a mother and her, I don't know, 18-year-old daughter with her taking these dogs, and I recognized the dog. And I asked them what what happened. They were really defensive. And the daughter said, it's a rescue dog from Romania that we got three weeks ago. But they were trying to convince me that it wouldn't hurt anybody. So they've basically got a dog from another country, a rescue dog that probably needed a home. But who knows how that dog is going to behave with people. And I I then went up and read on what, what does the law say? And they say any dog out of control in public, it's against the law. And as you say, it doesn't have to bite anybody. They they didn't seem to understand that I feared for my life because I in that moment you see this dog barking and tearing after you. You don't know what's going to happen. I imagine nothing would have happened. I imagine it would have just barked at me and stopped. It probably wouldn't have attacked me, but you don't know that in the moment. And I wasn't going to stop and find out. Find out. <laughs> So on a, on a more fun note... I was going to say, this is, we're really taking the podcast down on that. It's too serious. So everyone knows the cost of living is going up and it's ridiculous and just everything is so expensive. And obviously gels and nutrition for sport is insanely expensive too. And some people have been posting that... So Ironman branded races, their on-course nutrition is Morton. It's quite a high-end sports nutrition brand. I don't use it. I don't really like the texture or flavour. But I think it's something like four to, I don't know, two or three pounds per gel. These people are posting that they've been doing Ironmans and instead of taking the gels at aid stations and using them, they've just been stashing them and then selling them. (laughs) So there's bits of people stocked up like Rambo (laughs) with like hundreds of gels at the end of an Ironman. It's quite a clever way of uh, at least coming back even. 
breaking even on your your entry fees. I don't know who <laughs> broke broke this. I know Joe Skipper on his podcast was talking about. I think people had written into him, and there's a very funny picture of them going around Instagram, as you say, with a Rambo ammunition belt on, stuffed with Morton gels. And the people were commenting on Instagram or writing into his podcast or whatever, saying, "Oh yeah, me and my my girlfriend, we had a competition to see." who could come back with the most gels? You know, she won, she got nine, I only got eight. <laughs> <laughs> Castle series at the end of the seasons were at Heva or other races, but mainly Heva because it's their last race of the year. They used to just put barrels of hi-fi stuff at the exit because they couldn't keep it till next year because it was going off. So I literally used to fill my bags with it. And that would last me like all winter and most of next year's. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I'm at Heaver at the weekend. I remember yeah. last year when you sign in and you have to turn up and register as you pretty much go into transition to rack. They were throwing gels at you. There was just a big box of gels. And they said, just take what you want. Take, you know, help yourself. So you take it to me then this weekend. <laughs> See, <laughs> see how many I can get. <laughs> We're both racing this Sunday. It's coming Sunday. You're doing the Olympic or half Ironman? No, I'm doing the Olympic Castle Series. Heva, Heva yes. Castle, Kent. Yep. Have you? So you've done that course quite a few times. So you're quite familiar with it, aren't you? Yeah, I've done it twice now. I did the Sprint Plus the first time I did it. I think it's the same bike course. The Sprint Plus is basically an Olympic with a, a shorter swim. So I did that a couple of years ago. And last year I did the full Olympic. It's a very hilly technical bike course, which uh, I really like. And then it's a cross-country style hilly run. Both times I've done it, it's been dry. But they do say, and I think from the course, if it's wet, you need trail shoes. So I've got to take two pairs of shoes just in case. But if it is dry, I'll, I'll just take, you know, use road shoes. Excellent. And are you uh, having a full taper for it or are you just doing it as a kind of training race for St. George? I'm going to do a taper because I think it fits with the, the build up to St. George to, to kind of come down a bit and then do the race, have a little bit of an easy week afterwards and then, you know, the final build up and then taper. So I, I'm starting to taper uh, this week a little bit. So how about you? You're doing, is it Outlaw yeah. X? Yeah, I'm back up to Nottingham going to stay with family and then yeah our lot x hopefully the weather will be slightly warmer fingers crossed for dry weather it's weather this weekend across europe has been horrific so lots of races like cancelled or postponed and people cycling in washing up gloves <laughs> all sorts of uh, strange things anything to do to be able to hold the handlebars and stay warm See, so, yeah, I really don't want to do that. As These relatives, know, you're staying with the ones with the sink. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, hopefully not do that again. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the course last year. It is a training race for me, so I don't know if I'm going to get much of a taper. I haven't got my training. It's a day-by-day week this week. I get my sessions a day before Tomorrow looks like a medium-ish day. It's not as quite as hard as the previous Tuesdays I've had. So uh, we'll see when it comes How to How do you cope with not really knowing what the ups and downs, the tapers, the builds are? You just literally go day by day. I don't I don't mind the not knowing what the session is as such. What I mind is not, <laughs> how, how do I explain this? It's organising my life 
is what I mind. It like knowing on my days off when I can see people, when I can't, when I need to fit it in around Alistair's hockey or Eleanor's swimming lessons, or if I've got work, like can I do it? Like when I get to work in time, do I need to cut it short? Do I need to swap sessions round? It's that side of stuff. Like this, like the week before a race, I like to try and get a massage. I like to get my bike serviced. So then when I don't have a week's training plan, like, well, when am I going to do that then? <laughs> what do I guess? When I tend to guess when I can get my bike serviced and when I won't need it, that I then tend to then need my bike. So <laughs> is that a problem? But luckily I've got a guy that's pretty flexible with bike servicing. So, so that helps. If I get my training early enough in the day on the day before, I don't mind. It's when I get it in the evening and I like I've already prepped my food and stuff for the next day. That's when I find it hard because I might have made a big breakfast or had a big dinner expecting a big training day. And then it's an easy day and I'm like, oops, I've got too much food. Never mind. <laughs> kind of got used to it over the years. It's still not entirely used to it because you still life still changes isn't it but mm. yeah you kind of roughly know what I'm going to get and I'll, I'll say that and I won't get anything that I expect now <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you just totally trust that your coach knows what he's doing and it's for the best for you oh yeah I never question whether it's right or yeah. not my guessing of what I've got is different <laughs> historically again I don't really know how much of tape I'm going to get but the volume tends to decrease, but I still get short, sharp efforts yeah, to yeah. Like keep a bit of intensity in there and like sharpen up for race day. The amount of time I'm training for significantly reduces, but there's still intensity in there. So how, how are you with racing in the cold, if it's cold? I'm okay if it's expected and I can prepare for it. It's when I'm not prepared is when I get in trouble. My worst experience was Weymouth 2018 and I had to go and buy a pair of bike gloves at the expo and what I should have just done is gone to Tesco's but I didn't know the trick about the washing up gloves then. (laughs) (laughs) The only gloves they had at the expo were short fingered gloves. There was no point even wearing them because my hands were so cold. I think I put the world's thinnest, smallest ULA on which maybe helped slightly but it was not enough and it basically resulted in it I mean I think it rained non-stop for the whole bike or it was certainly so it rained so much that by the time we came back into transition literally the last 10 meters before the dismount line there was a puddle and I came in with a group of people and so I moved over because I didn't want anyone to like bump into me it rained so much that there was a puddle hiding a pothole and I moved over because I came with a group of people I didn't want to be knocked off as they came through in case I was slower getting off my bike which meant I went through a puddle hit a pothole and my hands were so cold that I just literally threw me off the bike because I couldn't hold normally it wasn't a big hole because my hands are so cold, my hands mm. literally just slipped through th- down towards the wheel and just fell off. That basically felt like I broke my thumb. Yeah, so those those gloves then stra- went straight in the bin because they had holes all over them. <laughs> oh, um, the run was all right though, but I've learned my lesson: always take warm weather stuff for races. 
I learned a lesson as well. In fact, Heaver, the first time I did it there, it was very cold. It was a frost overnight and it was about five degrees and the race started some ridiculous time, like seven, half seven in the morning. I had taken clothes for the bike, but in transition, it's really sheltered. The sun came out, but it was a you know frosty sun. They shortened the swim because the water was so cold as well. I think it was around 13 degrees. So they, they shortened the swim to about 400 meters. I was actually fine in the swim. I felt fine. And I ran as hard as I could up into transition. But I do remember running over pine cones because you run over some grass under some trees. And my feet were icy cold. They, they, it wasn't, wasn't a problem until I trod on pine cones as I was running. I remember that that hurt quite a lot. In fact, going down to the swim start, I did have a problem because the flagstones were like ice cubes and my feet immediately started to hurt. You know, when you stick an ice cube on your tongue, it's not it's not very pleasant. And I was struggling because I didn't take flip-flops or anything. So I went from the grass, which was frosty, hard, you know, frozen hard ground. I hadn't had a chance to thaw at all by this point. And then onto these flagstones, I just remember having to run my feet had gone kind of numb and <laughs> anyway that was all fine then in transition I'd had a really fast transition run and it was up a little hill so I was nice and warm I had a tri suit which was just a, a vest top without any shoulders or sleeves or anything and I did have some arm warmers and I even had a gilet or a proper cycling top but I felt warm and it was complete shelter from the wind so I didn't put anything on I thought, I'll be fine. <laughs> and I set off. And as soon as we went onto the main bit of the bike, up a climb, which was fine, a bit chilly, but you're generating heat. And then it started the descents and the, there was a biting five, six degree wind and you're doing, you know, whatever speed on the descents. And I was so cold. I, it was just horrible. I nearly gave up the second lap. I was that cold, uh, but I, I stuck at it and had a really good result in the end, but I, I remember feeling, I remember the noises I was making as well going around <laughs> on the sun, just hardly hang on to the handlebar going, oh, it's so cold, you know, it's just horrible. So that's my biggest fear, actually. And I will waste some time in transition putting something warm on now if I think it's going to be that cold again. Yeah, so when we did that cold triathlon last year, right at the beginning of the season, was it April? I mean, I think I put, I think it was only a sprint and I had arm warmers on and gloves and I think I put a t-shirt on under my tri-suit which I realized halfway through the run was a really bad idea because I then couldn't get the t-shirt off and I was really hot <laughs> so don't put a t-shirt under the tri-suit like, it's a sprint it'll be fine not fine, not fine. <laughs> in fact I remember getting pretty much hypothermic when I was racing as a junior I must have been 15 16 a race in North Wales and it was a, it was a winter race but it was a lovely sunny day and it didn't rain, but there was so much rainwater on the ground and mountain biking, you know, you ride through a big puddle, it all splashes up and the water was freezing cold. Imagine a cold stream in Wales or somewhere. And before I knew it, I was absolutely covered in, it was like raining icy water with me and my just cycling shorts and a cycling t-shirt top. That was all I had for a how, how many hours race. And on the, the last lap, I remember, and then it's, then the weather came in. So it was freezing cold wind. Once I was soaked, the freezing cold wind really lowered my temperature. I couldn't feel my fingers. And brakes back in those days weren't disc brakes. They were 
They were standard rim brakes, not even V brakes, so not very powerful. So tricky, muddy, rocky off-road descents where you, your fingers are numb. I remember stopping by a marshal who had a massive puffy jacket on. And I basically said, is there a shortcut back to the start finish area? Because I am, you know, getting towards hypothermia. He said, well, it's probably the fastest way is just to follow the course back. So I did. I followed the course back. I thought you were going to say you asked him if you could put your hands on his outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't fancy that, actually, even though it was that cold. (laughs) And I got back. I think I was first or second. I think I was, you know, doing well in that race, but I was so cold. I literally, I didn't care anymore. And I crossed the finish line and there's a bit of a climb up to the finish. So I generated a bit of heat and the St. John's ambulance woman spotted me, came over and said, would you like to follow me, sir? <laughs> Basically took me into the ambulance and stripped me down, put me in foil. She could obviously tell. <laughs> I looked blue or something. And I remember she put my feet up her jumper. I do remember that. So I couldn't feel anything. My feet were completely numb. But I remember that's how they got heat back into me. So <laughs> I do have a history of getting cold in races. Oh, dear. <laughs> I have a... Um... A question for you so this is something that I've always done and I heard something the other day which I don't know whether it's common or not so ever since I was a child going to school in the winter in the morning the night before I put my school uniform or my clothes on the radiator so that in the morning I have nice warm clothes to put on and then if it's cold then nice and snug like getting wrapped up in a nice warm towel or something do you do that is that weird like is that a common thing to put your the clothes on the radiator so they're warm when it's cold outside <laughs> it sounds like a great idea and i know i enjoy when i'm on a ski trip or whatever and you've had your gloves and socks drying out and radiators and you put them on and they're nice and warm but i haven't actually ever thought to do that for the clothes i'm going to put on unless they've been wet oh no right so next time especially if you're going for like a cold outside run like oh, oh it's amazing put your running stuff <laughs> on the radiator <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's going to change it. You're going to have the best winter's training ever. (laughs) Now I've got a question for you. I went out for a meal with my family uh, last night, it was, in fact. And the portion in this pub, in this pub, in the past, I remember huge portions, too much food. We even left food. So I was, I'd done a lot of training this weekend. I had a big day yesterday and thought, you know, I'm ready for a big, big meal. And the portion was tiny. It was a fish dish with potatoes, but they kind of stacked it all on top of each other. And it, it wasn't enough. There weren't anywhere near enough calories. So then when uh, I was still beside myself with hunger after I'd finished my main course and I'd scraped up all the food, I was watching all the kids with another family. And I was watching to see if any kids left some food and they did leave a bit of food and I ate all of it. <laughs> and then um, then it came to the kids all wanted dessert and I, I, I really needed more carbohydrate. So I asked the waitress when she came over, would it be weird if I ordered a kid's spaghetti bolognese for dessert? <laughs> would that be a problem? She looked at me. Yes, you are a bit strange, but they brought it. So while all the others had ice creams and brownies <laughs> and pies and things, I had spaghetti bolognese, a kid's portion, and it was cheaper than the desserts as well. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and well done for you for making sure you got enough food, though. We actually had a, a date night on the, 
on Friday night. We went for to a really nice pizza place, the new one in town. And the dessert we were going to share, they didn't have. So we were like, okay, it's a sign. We'll, we'll go to like Tesco's and get a bag of chocolate buttons or something. <laughs> we were like, so we left. And um, we were like, oh, let's go and have a cocktail somewhere. So we actually just walked over the road to a very upmarket restaurant, which has got a small seating area for people waiting for their tables, uh, which is quite a nice little bar area. Like, would you mind if we had just sat here and had a few cocktails? We're like, yeah, yeah, sure, of course you can. So we're like, could we also have a look at your dessert menu? <laughs> so we had two cocktails and shared a sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So we had a... Uh, yeah, it was a fun date night. Well, she didn't react like we were weird asking for that combination. <laughs> Whether she then went away and was like, what on earth are those two doing? I don't know, but <laughs> we oh, had I'm fun. I'm sure the waitresses and waiters have a laugh in the kitchen when you get strange orders. I'm sure my husband won't mind me saying, but he is a big fan of pina colada and he'll happily tell anybody. And he really fancied one, so we got one bit later this couple came in and you could see the guy hanging up his pina colada and he ordered a pina colada too <laughs> and the wife went you what <laughs> you decided a pina colada he's like yeah i want one <laughs> is it sounds like an advert from the 80s was it baby <laughs> sham hey i'll have a baby sham too <laughs> was that the advert <laughs> It was just like that. It was a, a very amusing. It was just the wife's or girlfriend's, I don't know, partner's reaction to him ordering the Excellent. <laughs> in a Colorado made it made it worthwhile. We were going to talk about mental strategies for racing today. What and training? What gets you through? What tricks, tips, and tricks do you use for getting through a tough session or a tough training day, tough race? It's a really good question. We spoke about this before. I thought, yes, I'll, I can talk about that. Now I'm, I'm, you put me on the spot. I'm thinking, how do I do it? One of the things I tell my kids, and I think I do this as well, is do, don't think. Because uh, particularly when I used to do mountain bike racing, which had, I guess, more of an element of danger, you'd arrive and there'd always be the dangerous line and there'd be steep rocky bits and there were always people going off in ambulances every race if you dwell on that and, and think and worry about it the sensible person would not would not do it <laughs> i think <it's, laughs> there are other pressures about people that have expectations of how you're going to do and if you think about that and you think well maybe i'm not feeling maybe i'm not feeling it today and it's going to be a tough day and what if something goes wrong if you think about it too much, that can give you negative stress. So one of the things I, I do is just try not to think about it and turn on the mechanical movements. So just get dressed, just eat. Don't worry about the race. Even watch a bit of TV if I'm at home while I'm eating so I don't think about the feeling sick when you're eating. And go through the motions. And before you know it, you'll be on the start line. And I try really not to think about I don't have to do this. I'm doing this out of choice. I shouldn't choose to do this. Why am I doing this? Put all those thoughts out of your mind. You just, just, just do. <laughs> don't think. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I did mean during a training session and during a race, but it's a good point about beforehand. Like whilst on the long run, mm. 
or whilst like you are on the wrong part of a race a quite a good tip is like a body scan which is is pretty much exactly what you just said is focusing on what you can do so thinking about your head your shoulders relaxing your arms like your fingers like working your way down your body then if you've got a niggle but at that point it just becomes part of you and your mechanics and hopefully by the time you get to that point you've the, the niggle or whatever it started to hurt that you've decided you've broken your leg or it's actually not broken leg it's fine it's still working <laughs> and then you can push through it I don't do it very often but I did find it really helpful when I did my first Ironman having never done a marathon before as I just counted on the run just count to 100 the problem was I couldn't count to 100 so I'd, I don't know how far I got but then I'd just start again <laughs> just like marching through trying to get as high up as I could before I lost count that's really interesting because I was going to say the same I listened to a TEDx talk years ago about endurance sport and they introduced me to the idea of counting and ever since then I've done it particularly on a, a faster run whether it's a 5k or even a half marathon where you're really trying to go hard, I count. Or on the track, if it's getting really hard and your body is screaming, stop now, and you've still got 600 meters to go. I do exactly that. I count to 100 and I count to 100 and I count to 100 and just reset. Interesting you do that too. How did you learn that? I don't know. Maybe I heard something before the, the that marathon. I'm not sure I could do it going full pelt though, because when I was doing that marathon, I was not going particularly fast. When I'm going full pelt, like on the intervals or something, then for me, it's more focusing on breathing and just relaxing my body and smiling. Like if I can like even force myself to smile or fo I try in a race, I try and focus on the crowd. So anybody, a marshal another competitor um spectators literally anybody else i can see even if they're not looking at me i'll try and smile at them because then that kind of relaxes your body and distracts mm. you from it and before you know it, you've got past another like 500 meters on the swim i try and focus on my cadence because i know when i get slower my arm cadence drops so i try and increase my arm cadence and that I think it makes me quicker I don't know <laughs> but I think that's that's my cue I think everybody has different swimming cues I heard someone say recently that your cadence when you're swimming is a bit like gears on a bike and some people have quite a slow cadence and it's kind of pushing the water but that's what they do and the suggestion was speed up your cadence because it could be like you're in your a gear that's too big on your bike and if you click it down a gear or two it doesn't mean you're going to go slower it means it's easier to pedal there's less torque required to put through the pedals but you you can go faster because it's less it's like lifting slightly lighter weights but more quickly that's a good analogy yeah so that probably that probably sums up my swimming and <laughs> um, then cycling I don't know. I think about all sorts of things. It's probably why I'm not necessarily so good at staying in the moment. Um, I try not to think about dinner and the emails I haven't answered or <laughs> what Eleanor's doing. Um, I quite often actually end up with her nursery rhymes stuck in my head going over and over and over and over. <laughs> I can only remember certain lines. <laughs> yeah, I, and cycling, I try and focus on when I realise I'm 
I'm not in the zone. I'm not in the moment. I try and bring myself just again back to mechanics, but also remembering hard sessions that I've done in training or other races that have gone really well. So focus on that, like positive. So, or people that I want to beat or chase or remember like chasing people, just yeah, bringing it back to key sessions that that went really well so then you're in a positive mindset so it's trying to stay bring back a positive mindset because there's always lows you've got to bring back the positive like don't worry about the low but just don't let it last too long <laughs> no it's good a, a, lot, a lot of things you've said a very similar thing I think running I think about my form a lot I think you can distract your brain from the pain by as you, as you say body check am I slightly tipping forwards are my shoulders relaxed uh, all of those things and counting obviously is one which I I use pretty much every every race now when it gets hard and it's uh, the smiling I read I think Chrissy Wellington's book a while ago and she talked about always smiling and it does something to your body when you smile you you feel happier and so feeling happier in the face of pain it it really is a good distraction it's a, you can get your brain to trick yourself and ignore the the pain cycling I think I talk to myself out loud when I cycle. <laughs> if I hit a bump or if I took a corner well or if I nearly fell off or if I need to catch somebody, I, I th- I'm pretty sure I talk to myself quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did when I was cold. Well, I just try not to drown when I'm swimming. That's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, uh, hopefully we'll be able to use some of those techniques on on Sunday we'll be positively flying news I've got for you is because I've never done a full full distance Ironman before but that's about to change well in nearly just under a year's time I was so excited to see the recent Ironman Wales coverage and given that I'm off to Utah which is quite an expensive trip I thought if I'm going to do an Ironman that doesn't cost an arm and a leg to get to Wales is a good one to do whilst it's not everybody's first choice to try an iron distance event I think it's one it's a bucket list event I think for a lot of people and the hills whilst it will make it harder and I'll never know what my best flat time could be I think it's it it will suit my my stature to have hills on bike and run so I'm going to sign up amazing that's very exciting wow they've got me by surprise there i didn't expect you to say wales (laughs) i'd love to do wales but just as a fun race i don't think i could it's not it's not a course that would suit me at all so it definitely have to be just a go and get around have a fun day out and that's i think for me that's quite a hard mental attitude to take especially for an iron man <laughs> yeah well it's if you not... fancy a training day next year come, <laughs> yeah. uh, come september then you'd be more than welcome to come and experience it i am tempted and the cork i'm a cork the crowds there looked absolutely absolutely insane yeah. this year by that as well again it's not suited to me in the slightest but obviously that's a bit further afield obviously you've got to travel a bit you can't just jump in a car for that mm. well you can but it'll be couple of days driving Mm. cool well that's very exciting are you going alone as a family support no we're going to go with the family so I booked the accommodation today in fact it's before entries have opened but I know 
Tenby and the surrounding towns and villages are small. And I think accommodation, they've been doing that race there for quite some time. And I think there's more demand than supply, which means the prices are going to be quite high. So I thought I'll get in, get in even before registration opens. Have you got the right dates? Oh God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) To do that recently for Brighton Marathon, which I'm going to do next year, which is now my marathon training. I did book the wrong dates on the accommodation because I, I googled Brighton Marathon and in one of the search results it gave the dates. It was under 2023, somewhere it said 2023 and I booked I booked some accommodation. Oh, there's loads of accommodation. That's a really good price. And then I, I double checked the marathon website and it was a completely different weekend. Oh, no. So I have to go and cancel that and anyway. Oh dear, at least you realise now rather than a week before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well done for entering. That's very exciting. Good luck with the Ironman training next year. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too much more than what you're already doing. I'm sure you'll be fine. No, I need to do a few longer bike rides, which means I'll probably have to get up earlier rather than get home later. Other than that, I guess the intensity will ramp up a bit more. I don't know. I might talk to you about what you see as difference between half and full. I never know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I better go. It's almost bedtime for me. Yeah, that is one <laughs> thing that I need to work on is, is my bedtime. I definitely need to go to bed earlier. But there's too much to do in the evenings, too much admin. I don't know what's going on at the moment. I have been sleeping through my alarms like all week. I've been getting like eight plus hours sleep and I normally need like about seven and a half. So I don't know what's happening. I don't know whether a lot a lot of people I've spoken to said they've been really struggling. I think it's just the dark mornings and mm. getting older, but it's totally wiped me out. So yeah, I definitely need my bedtime. <laughs> well, on that note, I say good night and hopefully I'll get these podcasts edited soon and we can get them published. Amazing. Thank you very much. And uh thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram on our Facebook page or put a link in the show notes. Particularly if you're in the country that we're 25th on their list of sports podcasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't forget to rate us, please, on Apple and Spotify. Give us awesome. lots of stuff. <laughs> awesome. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Amy. Bye.